0: Everybody.
1: so what happens when you take a world-renowned doctor and turn him into a farmer
0: steve collins we were chatting to him on his farm in west cork and he is just such an amazing human he saved more than a million lives from hunger and starvation
1: yeah and he has battled the who he's fought against all of the major kind of global pharma, big ag bodies to help to you know bring food to like starving populations in West Africa essentially.
0: And now he has taken all his information, all his knowledge that he's gathered over the years about nutrition and phytonutrients and nutrient-rich foods and he started growing blueberries and rona berries on his farm in West Cork and he has discovered that there might even be a secret cure for don't say it you won't say it listen in and you'll
1: find out yeah so if you want to hear about why polyphenols are good for your health and like this guy knows the book on why polyphenols those colorful pigments in our foods are going to save our lives and why they're they're the most important essentially nutrient in our diet that isn't even classed as a nutrient yet um tune in and come in with us as we take a beautiful wander down to the wilds of west Cork.
0: So please help us support our journey by liking and subscribing and comment below and let us know if you have any topics you want us to talk on or if you have any thoughts about this one or any questions you want us to pass on to Dr. Steve.
1: And thanks to our fantastic sponsor, Clear Light Saunas. When you are ready and make it now uh, to come and invest in a fantastic infrared sauna to be your health insurance policy to keep you going for the decades as I have. Come and chat to us, we'll get you the discount codes and we'll help you put some infrared
2: in your life.
0: And for now, get ready to dive into probably the most important chat you'll we'll hear in a long time.
2: Mm-hmm. Enjoy. I'm very interested in phytonutrients. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They're so weak. They really no, are. Infrared. That's what we talk about all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It, I, to me, that is such an easy win in terms of um, improving health. The, the power of phytonutrients in health, the, mm. it's the more they look at it, the more it's becoming increasingly apparent that they, they have a huge effect. Yeah. You look at blood pressure, glucose, mm-hmm. fats. is mm-hmm. human data on dementia. Yeah. Aronia juice slowing the cognitive decline.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, the, the whole cytokine cascade for um, COVID. The aronia berries block it in three places, interleukin six, eight, and tumor depressive factor. They, they block okay. the action of those. So, yeah, yeah. so they, they would actually have a... In theory, now this hasn't been shown course, in practice, but, yeah. but in theory, they would have a a great um, damping down effect on that cyclone cascade. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. human data showing that it, they, um, aronia <laughs> juice kills uh coronavirus very effective there's human data on that Whoa! as a mouthwash no way yeah it wasn't quite as good as sort of list not Listerine, um uh, what are those, that some of their alcohol based yeah, thing yeah uh... yeah and those those ones that actually have um, antiseptic in it mm-hmm. oh yeah but it yeah it was it was really quite effective you know wow so a major reduction That's so i got the um the um, the erroneous juice from here analyzed in um, a phytochemistry laboratory in uh, in palmer in italy real, oh, wow. real experts there were 48 different polyphenols and there was nearly 4,000 milligrams per liter. So it's Whoa. way off the scale. It, in, c- compared to blueberries, their phytonutrient content probably about five times higher. You know, a lot of the um, anthocyanins were in the pigment. Yeah. And it's incredibly pigmented. You yeah. Know, I actually was, I was, I was making, I've been sort of trying to, to make different products and I was making some Aronia kombucha. Oh, cool. And, unfortunately, I made one a bit too lively and you know the, the room back there. Ah. That, and I opened it. I... I covered the ceiling <laughs> that, well, here, amazing here's, here's the aronia here look so you can see that this is just a few i just put in because i didn't want to monocrop the blueberries so this isn't the main lot but but the the, the oh, yeah. if you look at inside them mm. the the flesh uh, compare that with a blueberry yeah this will be fun the,
0: uh,
2: so that's the aronia hmm And uh, that's yeah, the a totally blueberry. thing, isn't it? You see? So the, the, the blueberry has got a lot of anthocyanin in the, uh, in the skin.
1: Yeah, but in the flesh. But in the, the flesh, his.
2: very little. Um, and actually, there's data showing that you have more anthocyanin from, um, from the pressing cake left over after the juice manufacturer from things like blueberries or cranberries. Yeah. Than you do in that's, the juice. But, but with um, aronia, I mean, you oh, know, the juice is really highly pigmented. Mm. And then when you get to the, um, the, uh, the skin... So we got nice. experiments going on at the moment with Shannon to to look at how best to extract them. Whether so, w- what we're thinking is probably cellar juice, which I was shown four thousand milligrams in a liter. That's that's pretty good. Mm. So like you're talking, most people have an intake I think of roughly four hundred milligrams, five hundred milligrams a day. Mm. If you can get to eight hundred, then that, well, that's what the, the the experts in Palmer were recommending. My my initial degree was. Anthropology and philosophy, mm-hmm. then I did medical doctoring, and then I've got a PhD in well, a clinical PhD called an MD in nutrition, and then then another one in a doctorate of science.
1: Wow! Oh my god, yeah. you're just yeah, the right person stuff. for doing
2: this. <laughs> yeah, perfect. you sort of fall into what you. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, history seems to be pushing me in this direction for some it's Interesting, to isn't it? Because like we,
0: Finn runs a health food store, um, and we do like talks about movement, nutrition breath work meditation combining the whole thing yeah. to try and like how can you look at health in a way that isn't like bustled into tiny compartmentalized yeah. things and what you find is that so many of the amazing products the people who are making them aren't necessarily the people who know all the really interesting <laughs> nutrition stuff yeah they yeah. just have gone like what will I produce? Let's just try something, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is great. Um, yeah. And so it's really exciting to when you find someone who like actually, actually knows, knows the stuff. stuff. Well, well, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, no, 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 don't
2: and... <laughs> don't big it up too much. You know, no. I've I've done, I've, but my specialty is treating children on the point of death of starvation. Okay. So that's I've done 35 years of working in famines and wars. Okay. So so I know a bit about that after 35 years. Mm. But, but this fight nutrients is all quite new to me. Mm. But but the base, I think, the basic principles of how nutrition and metabolism interplay. Um, you know, that gives you a sort of feel for it. But, but the thing that struck me in look, starting to look into phytonutrients is how incredibly complicated it is. Yeah. You know, it's like, I suppose, you know, you could, I could easily think I could have spent my whole life studying phytonutrients and still really be scratching the surface. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, they are such profound metabolic pathways these things are interacting in. And they're interacting in so many different places. And it's like in that juice, there's 48 different ones. Yeah. So, you know, you've got... When you think of how many metabolic niches they have, how many different polyphenols there are, and just you times that together, out, you know, you've yeah.
1: got a, a, whatever. It's a very big Infinite, number. yeah. Because yeah. so they say there's something like, what is it, The plant chemicals, we've discovered something like 6,000. They, they predict there might be 26,000 yeah. different... Yeah. I'm sure it's more than that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. That's probably a fairly like, no, I you can, know. I
2: can imagine it,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And so like with polyphenols, it's the issue that in most situations, well, or sorry, the the most interesting research for me around polyphenols is that there is its influence on our microbiome, which is then influencing ourselves. So it's like the secondary thing, right?
2: Yeah, that, and, but that's the polyphenols and the fiber. And, and Yes, yeah. yes,
1: of course, that combination, yeah. Yeah,
2: that that for sure. And I mean, the microbiome, you know, it's such profound. Mm. It, it's, it's interesting. I sort of occasionally when I have things to uh, say, I go to the um, Global Conference of Nutrition, um, the IUNS thing. And it happens every four years. Mm. And I had something to say in 2012, so I went then. Didn't have anything to say in, was it 2012? Maybe 2010, but but four years later, didn't have anything to say. And then four years after that, had something to say. So I went twice with a Mm. four-year back, so eight years When I first went, it was the Thailand one. I don't think there was even a talk on the microbiome.
1: Mm.
2: And the next time, eight years later, at least a third of it was a microbiome. You know, yeah. they've discovered a new organ, basically. Yeah, yeah. literally. You know, they've been that, doing yeah. medicine without knowing about the heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's very, very profound.
1: Yeah. yeah, isn't it? It's amazing. And like, even now you hear, like they're talking about the, the metabolome, that like, you know, we've got now, we've got like a genome that's described to our mi- mitochondria on their own. There's so many bits, even in mm. the last, like, I don't know, like five or 10 years, that like, we're only finding out like, where even like our favorite like nerve pathway the vagus we're only finding out where it ends now you? you know <laughs> you, like all these sorts of amazing things that you yeah. kind of assume i think as a as a, as a lay person, i assume or i assumed anyway that a lot of this was ironed out like when you people saw anatomy it. and physiology charts you kind of like this has been discovered no, we and we're no, we so little conclusion well, when
2: we did a uh, i was in north korea what, in 98 teaching how to teaching people there how to treat starvation and I was going around all these baby homes. And um, these were homes that were very high status for the, the children, orphans of the martyrs of the revolution. And so what had happened as the economy had broken, these things had become really, financially stretched so they were bad condition but people because they had high status still if they if they were too poor to look after the kids or if someone died and they had orphans they put them in these homes Mm. so the conditions were really shitty you know i wasn't allowed to see too much but if i used to nip through a door where i wasn't meant to be i would find children literally dying everyone had nappy rash it was really grim until i went to one same grim very low staffing um but i couldn't find a single nappy rash and they were actually all looked quite healthy. And I, just, I spent hours, you know, what's next door to a yogurt factory? And they were giving them a bit of yogurt every day. And so then that made me think, whoa. And so we, we then did a study on with therapeutic food, adding in four different probiotics for four prebiotics. And we reduced mortality significantly in the recovery phase.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: That, um, but that was, that was about, God, it was um, 2009 we did, or eight we did it. And it was about 1,500 kids. And it was, I think, one of the biggest studies ever on probiotics and the sort of microbiome at wow. that point. But now, but you know. very much
1: an offshoot at the time as well. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. like, designed to
2: focus on. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. But it was just that these, you know, the probiotics, I hadn't even heard of the microbiome at that stage. Yeah. But, but I saw from the yogurt probiotics were having an impact. So Amazing. I thought, well, let's let's see if we can replicate that in Amazing. a little powder. easy.
1: Yeah. So and and did you like at that stage where your nutrition you, like when you're dealing with like infants who are starving was where was your your nutrition knowledge at like when like as a, somebody who's in the medical profession because we conventionally see and not routinely, less and less routinely, but we tend to see a lot of adversity still when it comes to the medical profession and their willingness to embrace the idea of diet as an intervention in and of itself. As opposed yeah, to just like, ah, yeah. yeah, go and do that as well. No,
2: I, I had learned almost no nutrition in medical college. Mm. A little bit about obesity because that was, in St. Bartholomew's in London, that's, you know they were seeing more oh. obesity. They didn't see any starvation. had yeah. One lecture on quaterniform erasmus, that was it. Okay. Um, but having I had travelled for two years before college, so I knew I'd done medicine to work abroad. And so then in my holidays I would go and get um holiday jobs in Africa and I actually got stuck in Africa in, in eighty five, got caught in a war and I just didn't go back for a year. And I travel all round and then got caught up in the the um, famine and the 84 to 86 famine in the Sahel
0: Wow I, well, wasn't, well. I was
2: in the Sudan Darfur bit. Jesus not in the Ethiopia bit but then so I had exposure and so that made me more interested I'd reading about it but but no I hadn't actually formally been taught
1: it that says it was like plumpy nut etc was the that kind of thing I no, no, wasn't no. even there yet was it oh God, no, no, so it was that's been?
2: my specialty so okay, so okay. was invented in 1996 it was first started to be used in a tiny bit in 1998. Is it but that late? Wow. Yeah, okay. but but that's what I that was why I got certain awards or whatever, because oh. I developed the delivery mechanism for plumping up globally. To You're treat, kidding me? Yeah, to treat well, people. Well, this is in... weird talking to the <laughs> person. That's weird. Yeah, so the wow. community-based management of acute malnutrition, we called it CTC, Community-Based Therapeutic Care, originally. Wow, okay. But it was taken with on by the UN in 2005. So I had... I'd seen in, it was 1998 when I was in South Sudan, this terrible famine. And I'd seen, I was actually doing um, some, I'd set up some centres for concern. And then I was doing an evaluation for Sans Frontier. And I'd seen them trying to implement inpatient care. And they were really good teams. They had had this cookbook, the, the little blue MSF book, really good book. They were implementing it. And they'd actually had people crushed to death in queues trying to get in this thing. You know, it was a disaster. Yeah. And I just realised this can't work. You know, you cannot make a a model that has supposedly therapeutic feeding centres only had hundred space for hundred. Then you had to replicate them mm. with all the logistics on mm. the staff. That meant if you were addressing a situation that had thirty thousand starving kids, you know, you're not gonna get that mm. to work. And so you have to bite the bullet and say, look, I'm sorry, the world has let you down, you people. We're, we're going to have to treat the majority in their homes hmm. because we can't... If, we, if we're so focused on the minority, can't the trying. majority can't help at all. Uh-huh. And so I developed this community-based therapeutic care model in the evaluation, and that was using Plumpy Nut because I'd come across it. It was the first time I think it'd probably been used. It, as I say, from 1996, it was the first developed. Yeah. And... I was using that as a take-home ration. Now I wasn't allowed to test it. This was just an idea. I wasn't allowed to test it because the standard of care was inpatient, and you had a 30% mortality rate in hospitals treating starvation.
1: 30%. Oh, that's 20 to tough 30%. To work percent. With. Ooh, it
2: hadn't changed for 20, 30 years.
1: Jesus. Now the
2: NGOs were getting 10% mortality rate. Okay. But they were with doctors, nurses, mm. high input, mm. and there was I saying, no. What you should do is leave them at home, give them some of that food. And let the mothers treat them. See, so that, all the medics were saying, you can't do that Mm. because it's unethical. You know, we're getting a 10% mortality rate with doctors and nurses. You're saying, let the mothers treat it. Yeah. But what they hadn't realised was that they were a victim of their own model in that malnutrition, don't just get malnutrition. Oh, suddenly I'm starving. Mm. You you get it a little bit, you get malnourished, you get a diarrhoea, you get poor weaning practices, you get, you know and then you get thinner, your immune system starts to go down, so you get more infected. Mm. That means you lose more nutrients for infections for diarrhoea. You have a greater nutrient requirement because you've got to try and fight infection. So then you haven't got the nutrients, so you, die, you go down, 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 down. We were catching them down here when they're on the point of death from yeah. that starvation. But if you catch them early, they're easy to treat. And so I wasn't allowed to test it. Like everyone was blocking me mm-hmm. until Ethiopia in 2000. They had had feeding centres therapeutic feeding centers since the 84 famine and they realized they didn't work they couldn't get rid of them so they actually said to agencies you're not allowed to set up inpatient centers
1: Wow. so I was
2: working with Oxfam and then I worked with Concern and we set up two programs using this new model and one of them with this lady called Kate Sadler who I then I worked with for 15 years she was there and she took down the data really carefully and it was only a small data set 300 odd children mm. but we showed that we had actually Got way lower mortality, and wow. they were getting incentives because we were catching people early, mm-hmm. and that gave me the uh, the space. And then I, I started this company, Valid International, to to have a platform to generate the data. And then I took it to Malawi, and Malawi gave me a district and two districts. And we went to Ethiopia again. And then within five years, UN policy had changed. Wow! So it was quite a ride. That's a big old
1: deal. Something. I mean, if you think about, that, I mean, the fallout from what you've. Done, has been huge. I know, oh, I know, listen. I mean, that. like, I, I know it's been I, blocked, okay. Really, so, yeah. That's so they,
2: they've medicalized the model and they uh. call it CMAM, or they don't even call it CTC. See, so it had it, the model had lots of elements, it had local production of these foods using locally grown ingredients, mm. so that you would strengthen the indigenous food security, economy, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, 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 and yeah. you would add value to local crops, mm. you, you'd improve smallholder farming, and then you'd improve local food processing. So that would strengthen and help mm. to prevent, the, the UN cut that out when they adopted the model. They, they, they medicalized the model and it became very much, it shouldn't be, but it's, despite all the stuff we said, You know, it's the community engagement that's the first thing, mm. they, it, it came off and just pushed pumping out of the back of a truck. Wow. Imported plumpy nut, you know, and so so that's I mean, why I've heard bad things about plumpy nut. Essentially, yeah.
1: is because of that mismanagement of the policy yeah, around yeah, how it. Was yeah, the, never the, the, the food
2: itself is yeah. great. Yeah, you know, it's it's got thirty-two different nutrients in the right balance. The the nutrients are attached to energy, so you can't overdose. Because mm. you think a lot of nutrients are quite poisonous. You know, vitamin A, for example, you know, it's quite toxic. But if you gave it the pill, you could, you know, some kid like oh, I you know but when you give it in a food matrix there's a high lipid food matrix mm. you've attached the nutrients to the energy and, and that means
1: satiety happens so and that then makes you're self limiting yeah. so that's so
2: totally safe
1: yeah okay And yeah, as long
2: yeah. as the child got appetite but then again you look at how they did with appetite you know you can tell if a child's got appetite by asking the mum Oh. <laughs> you know, that's but they've, they've developed all these things. You have to weigh the dose and weigh the child. It's like, ask them, mum. Yeah. So they they over complicated, over medicalized it, mm. and that meant they've centralized it more. Mm. Whereas, you know, it was called community based management for a reason because it was based in the community. Whereas they've made it an extension model coming mm. from centers into the community. Yeah, it's, and some... then it's like
0: so disempowering for the mother exactly. as well. It's exactly. like the best care for the child is always going to come from the mother, yeah, yeah. and them feeling confident and then. And that and then teaching their neighbours and the whole thing just becoming this beautiful synergy. Exactly.
2: And, and and we did we did follow up studies. So the original studies where they were treating children in therapeutic feeding centres, they had fifty percent relapse rate if not more. We did follow up studies of community based programs that we were designing that were done well and empowering mothers mm-hmm. and we had about a two percent relapse rate. And in fact the mortality rate in the children were discharged from our program was less than the mortality rate in the base. Background mm. population and you because can mothers don't work, yeah, you
1: know? and you can imagine that the, the the offshoots from that mother, like within it's her community, being seen, to, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know,
2: they may be poorly educated, but mm. they're not stupid. No, you know? yeah, exactly. They don't have to thing. live. They are not yeah. to survive. Yeah. They're humans, I can. Like, yeah. And 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 so a lot of what we do was mother to mother, mm. you know, or actually you, you have to include the fathers because in a lot of cultures, even though the mother cares for the child, the father makes decisions yeah. about access to food, about access mm, to resources, yeah. whatever. Yeah. We also, you know, we, I, I set up a charity, Valid Nutrition, an Irish charity, yeah. to make these things locally, and oh, we had cool. a fifty year research program see the problem with the plumping recipe it's 30 percent of the ingredients are milk and milk is always imported into africa so okay. i think there's one small spray dry plant in south africa now but essentially it's always imported
1: for the whole continent yeah yeah that's yeah. bonkers yeah, yeah yeah i mean they have loads of like they have camels they have lots of other versions they of do, milk that but, isn't just camel, not, right? no
2: processing for them oh wow but, okay but once you've got a milk-based product mm-hmm. um you you depend on imports so we we did a but it's difficult to make children recover and thrive without milk because children design young children designed to have milk Mm. and um so we had a 15-year research program and oh lots of trials animal studies three big randomized controlled trials and finally we succeeded in getting a plant-based product to work actually better than the milk-based product we had to add crystalline amino acids, which is analogous to the Food industry for all animal feed industry where all chickens and pigs are, you had to have crystalline amino acids to yeah. bump up the protein. Yeah, quality. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we got this product to work, and we published a large randomized controlled trial, three arm, fifteen hundred quid trial in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition wow, okay. in two thousand and seventeen. That's big, big, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's been blocked. It's been blocked. The WHO organised a sham review. Um, they, they. I don't know why. That's a question for them. So they, they took our three studies. The last one, we had completely changed the product by adding amino acids. And they homogenized and the, pulled the data with the first two that didn't work. With a meta-analysis
1: then, that just dilutes the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and then, well, mm.
2: they came to conclusion. So two of our studies didn't work, but then we had devolved the product and changed it completely and got a product that worked. They mixed all that together and said, oh, well, it doesn't work. And then they didn't even commission the cost-effectiveness study. They were asked in, um, by a, a journalist Um, Why didn't you do it? And they said, oh, well, we knew that the rate of weight gain was lower, so we didn't bother to commission the." So they prejudged the review, and the rate of weight gain is the only parameter that the plant-based amino acid and heart recipe is lower on, Mm. 8% lower. But the treatment of anemia is way superior, because we know if you you get anemic and you go to the doctor, they say, don't take your iron tablets with a glass of milk, because milk blocks iron absorption. Mm. We know that. That is a primary health outcome. It's the commonest nutrition deficiency in the world, and it's you know you don't want your child anaemic. Yeah. Whereas the rate of gain, over eight percent longer. No biggie. No biggie. Yeah. It's a bit more expensive. Mm. But if you if you actually did the cost effectiveness analysis, mm. you see, okay, instead of being fifty percent cheaper, it's thirty five percent cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. It's Grand. Still a lot Fine. cheaper. So low is cheaper. Which give you a dimension of that with four and a half million children treated. If you re- reduce the cost by 25% you treat a million children more at no cost what? and that change saves between 50 and 100,000 lives depending on the mortality rate you choose but roughly 50 to 100,000 child lives per year at no cost and the who didn't conduct that review now you have to ask them why i yeah. can guess some reasons yeah we know there's big lobbies yeah we know dairy lobby strong we know yeah. the, the ifs producers lobby is strong but it's criminal
1: yeah, actually criminal. I'm and, glad you're saying the words got, so I was going to. After
2: 15 years, you know, we are a tiny charity. We've got no resources. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I've, I'm at the end of my tether. There's nothing what? more I can do. We, it, uh... we, President Clinton's yeah. foreign policy advisor wrote to the head of governance for the WHO, mm-hmm. and they didn't even bother to re- reply. They wrote to it about it. Bertie Hearn wrote to the head of WHO twice. They didn't. They, they had a sham reply. Wow. Um, It's it's there's funny things I Um, I think there's a lot of controls, especially in the humanitarian industry, in that you have a lot of NGOs or the UN that are ostensibly set up to benefit their their clientele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what happens actually they exist and they, they raise money by being seen to do good, not actually doing good. Mm. And a lot of it becomes a battle for control, resources. You, know, you can't yeah. get on a flight without UNICEF telling you how great they are. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. had programs that have been deliberately undermined by UNICEF because UNICEF's name was on them. Yeah. And so so I think a lot of it's about control of resources, unfortunately, mm. and, and they don't like maverick um, disruptors like myself and Valid. Yeah. And hence, we were, we've we been marginalised. Wow so, so wow. now I'm, I'm gonna just uh, change things here dude <laughs> <I'm> so, well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when did you make the decision like uh, i like that's been something you're still been working on that up until very recently it's 2017 was. i
2: still volunteer for the charity yeah. i was working on it today okay okay I mean, i'm not going to give up they're not going to win okay good they good can't, uh, well in fact they can't i mean mm. ultimately how can they possibly block something that can have that much impact mm-hmm. you know mm. and so in the end they will fail and yeah the problem is the longer it takes them for them to fail to block it, you know, yeah. 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 That's the problem.